right. Well, good morning. want to uh, make a quick announcement before we get to the text today. Two things, actually. Um, first of all, the poinsettias at the front, um, if you would like one of those, as soon as the service is over, go ahead and, and grab that and take it home with you. You're welcome to take it. Um, we would love for them all to be taken. If you are concerned that you won't get one, um, just sneak up and take one on the end while I'm talking. <laughs> totally fine. Just make sure they're gone. Um, the other thing is, uh, and I didn't plan on saying this, so I'm going to do the best I can. Um, you guys, it feels like whenever it's an appropriate time to clap for the Lord, that, that you start to clap, and then it's like, oh wait, people don't clap here. And so, and then all of a sudden pulls back. Um, it sounds horrible. Uh, it is okay, in fact, obedient to clap to the Lord. The Psalms are full of commands to clap to the Lord. We're not going to practice right now because that would be disingenuous. And we're looking for genuine worship and response to the Lord. Some of you, it would be disingenuous for you to just burst into clapping. That's understandable. But what I'm hearing, like this morning, if you're online, I apologize. Um, this morning, it just sounded like you wanted to clap. Some of you wanted to clap, and it was like a... And, oh, we don't do that here. Um, do that here. It's wonderful. It's a response to who the Lord is. It's an obedience to what we've been told Throughout the Psalms, um, it is a means of expressing praise that we're very, 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 very good at in other settings. We go to other things and we express glad praise through clapping, and we're not hesitant. We're not fearful of what other people will think about us clapping in those settings. And so, as we come before the Lord... It's exactly what we read together earlier. Ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due His name. Whatever that is, whatever glory He deserves, give that glory to Him. And so when we read things like, raise your hands, clap your hands, shout to the Lord, those are acts of obedience that say, we're ascribing to you, Lord, as much and more as we would ascribe to other earthly things that we delight in and that we rejoice over and that we want to show our praise and gratitude toward, okay? All right. You're dismissed. No. <laughs> Work on that and come back when you get it right. Okay. Uh, well, I hope so much, I hope so much that each of you had a wonderful Christmas, that you were able to celebrate one another as you remember and celebrate our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe that's still going on for you. Um, maybe today we'll be gathering uh, for some of you. But it's a, it's a reminder that Jesus came to this earth, God in the flesh. And just as we've been looking at for the last four weeks, he is coming back again. That was his first coming, and he's coming again. 
We have so much to celebrate as we think of the coming of Jesus. His first coming to this earth enables us to celebrate his second coming. And one of the themes that we have seen clearly leading up to the text this morning is that we must be ready. Matthew 24, verse 44 says, Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Today we're going to look at a parable that again highlights that theme. We're going to be looking at Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. So go ahead and turn there, and then if you are able, go ahead and stand and follow along as I read the text. Matthew 25, beginning with verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for your word. We thank you so much, Lord, that you have gifted us with a means of knowing you, a means of preparation for your coming, a means to find you and worship you. We pray that you'd help us to do that today, that we would find you, that we would worship you through your word. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Verse 1, Jesus is comparing the kingdom of heaven to ten virgins who are attendants or bridesmaids for a wedding. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Now, weddings in that culture at that time could last all day long. After celebrating, the groom would typically leave his house with a contingent of his friends walking to the home of the bride. And after celebrating there, there would be ceremonies there, the wedding procession would take place. And it wasn't just a procession down an aisle of a building. It was a procession that went from the bride's home through town to the groom's home. They would return to the groom's home for the wedding itself. And in this story, Jesus is referring to this torch-lit procession that would take place from the bride's home to the groom's home. And the lamps that he's referring to are probably oil-soaked rags wrapped around sticks. So you could have this procession of brightly burning lamps leading them home. 
It's a beautiful and joyful scene to imagine. These parables that Jesus is telling teach that the bridegroom is delayed, taking him longer than those who are waiting would anticipate. To be clear, Jesus is referring to himself as the bridegroom. He is the bridegroom in this parable. This has to do with the second coming of Jesus to earth. Verse 2, five of the virgins were foolish and five of them were wise. There are ten virgins. And we are those ten virgins in the text. And we are either foolish or we are wise. The five wise are prepared for a delay. They're prepared in case the bridegroom doesn't return or doesn't come out when they were first anticipating. They're ready. They bring enough oil to make sure that they're ready to fulfill their purpose at any moment. Soon or late, the fools do not do that. Remember that Jesus is just said before this that he will come at a time we do not expect. No one knows the day. No one knows the hour. And the point of this parable is to say, therefore, you keep being ready. You make sure that you are prepared for whenever he comes. No matter how delayed he might be, be ready. Verses 3 and 4, for when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. Again, the foolish ones have no preparation. They're not ready for his delayed return. The wise have plenty. They have thought ahead. They've planned for success. Verse 5, as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. For whatever reason this bridegroom is delayed, he's delayed. And they get tired, and they fall asleep. But at midnight, verse 6, there was a cry, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. There's this cry, he's he's coming, come and meet the bridegroom. Now is the time that they lead him, lead them, the groom and the bride, home. This grand procession of joy. But there's this problem because, as we already know, the foolish are not prepared for this. Verse 7. All the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. Verse 8. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. They all jump up. They trim their lamps. They they all look as if they are ready, but some are not. The foolish ones ask for the wise to share their oil. Give us some of yours because our lamps are going out. We don't have light to lead the way of this procession. Verse 9. But the wise answered saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. Now, this being a story that represents the kingdom. That may be startling, because we may say, well, no, 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 people of the kingdom, we share. 
Give to those who ask of you. Do to others what you would want them to do for you. It's interesting because our tendency might be to think, well, that's, that's selfish. But this is not selfishness on the part of the wise. It's prudence. There wouldn't be enough. They have a mission. There's a mission that they have. There's a purpose in them having these lamps. It's to lead the way. It's to take the bridegroom and the bride all the way to their home. The result of the wise sharing with the fools in this would mean that all of the lamps would go out along the journey home, which is an embarrassment to the bridegroom. Instead, the wise send them to go and buy more oil, but it will not be an easy task at midnight to find and purchase oil and come back before the bridegroom arrives who's already been announced. Verse 10, we see that. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut. Foolish virgins are out trying to buy oil and the bridegroom arrives. Those that are ready, they go in with him to the feast. There's a celebration and the door is shut. And that's not good if you are a fool. Verse 11, afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. So it seems as if somehow these five virgins have at least been successful in finding oil, but they arrive too late. They call out to the bridegroom, open to us. Imagine these left out hearing the celebration on the inside, the joy They want to be a part of this now. The bridegroom responds in verse 12, but he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. That's shocking and heartbreaking. Just to imagine this, imagine the regret on these foolish ones. Young ladies long to be with their friends and to celebrate the bridegroom, but they're left out. Not only left out, the bridegroom says these truly hard words, I don't know you. And in verse 13, which is the purpose of this parable, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Watch, he's coming back, and we don't know when he's coming back. So watch and be ready. Prepare for His coming. I want to spend some time together, the rest of our time, considering this readiness. Readiness as it relates to this parable. to What the Lord is teaching in this parable. Things we ought to know. Things we ought to be sure of if we're to be ready for Christ's return. If we're to watch and be ready at any time, because we don't know the day or the hour, what ought we to know and what ought we to do? The first thing is this, the delay of the bridegroom cannot result in disinterest 
in the bridegroom. No matter how long the bridegroom is delayed, those who are wise are going to continue to be interested in the bridegroom. The wise were ready. They were prepared. They were anxious for his arrival. John 3, 29 and 30 says, The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase and I must decrease. This is the mind and heart of those who are wise and watching and waiting. If we are wise, then we ought to be those who rejoice at His voice, who are listening to His voice, who take great joy now in the waiting. And this is true in all aspects of our life, that we would be people who strive to display that He is increased in our life and we are lessened, we are decreased. Hopefully you notice from the parable that falling asleep wasn't the issue in this parable. Everyone fell asleep. Everyone got tired. It was late. Everyone got weary, and they all fell asleep. The wise and the foolish. Joy in the bridegroom permeates all areas of our lives, even sleep. We are ready for the return of our King. Psalm 73, verses 25 and 26, Whom have I in heaven but you? There's nothing on earth I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. It's that mindset. You may take longer than my life lasts, but I am not disinterested because you are delayed. Second, the wise will make themselves ready and willing to serve. Now, we're going to see this more in the coming parables. But from here, it's probable that all ten of these young ladies would have said they were willing to serve. If you interviewed them at the beginning of the task, all of them would have said, yes, we want to serve. We want to fulfill our purpose and our role. We want to do what's expected of us, to carry the lamps burning all the way to the wedding feast, to give light, to enhance the celebration. And probably all of them would say, yes, that is why we are here. But not all of them followed through. They would all say the right things, but they didn't all do the right things. Some of them had the mindset of, I'm willing to serve this far. And they only prepared for that. They didn't prepare to serve as they needed to. The wise were ready. And the result of that is great joy. It's like the parable of the seed that Jesus tells us. Some of the seed fell on hard ground and some of the seed fell on 
rocky ground, and some of the seed fell on thorny ground, and some of the seed fell on good soil. And that in the middle is like these five foolish virgins. That that fell on the, on the rocky ground, and that that fell on the thorny ground, it's like these five foolish virgins. They receive the word with gladness, and it looks as if they are ready for the task. But when the cares of this world come in, they are distracted and they're pulled away. But it's the wise who received the word into their hearts and it produces fruit that results in great joy. They got to be with the bridegroom. Revelation 19 verse 7 says, Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. The wise will make themselves ready and willing to serve. Third, we cannot depend on others for our spirituality. Verse 9, the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. Now, don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying that we don't need each other. We absolutely do. The New Testament is filled with one another verses. Verses that command and encourage us to live life together, to build each other up in love, to speak the truth in love, to strengthen, to share, and on and on and on and on. But that doesn't mean I can depend on you for my spirituality. If I'm not prepared to meet the bridegroom, I cannot say, well, you should have shared with me. Or you didn't give me enough information. Or you didn't help me with this particular struggle or sin. We must be prepared. When Christ returns... I cannot cling to the coattails of my mom or my dad or my grandmother or my aunt or my uncle or the person I sat next to in church. The church can so often take on a mindset of coming to receive spectators. Just give me what I need to get through the week. And there's a reality there. I need that too. We run low and long to be gathered with the body and to be filled with encouragement and teaching and to worship together. We long for that and at times we need that. But are we getting that ultimately from Christ or from others? We must cling to Christ as we wait for Christ. It wasn't the wise virgin's fault that the foolish had no oil and so we must examine ourselves, as Paul says. Fourth, there is a day coming when the door will be shut. And this is a terrifying thought, especially for those who would say, we want to serve, we want to be there. But they're not prepared, and the result is the door is shut to them. And it's horrible, it's horrible. The thought of this in the text is horrible. 
but we must think about it. We must imagine the terror. We must imagine the regret. We must imagine the sadness for those who are locked out. It's exactly what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's going to happen, Jesus says. This parable, this story will happen. There will be those who come to knock and will be left out and the bridegroom will say, I don't know you. Jesus is coming back. And there will be some who are not ready and they will wish and long to go in with the bridegroom, but it will be too late for them. And lastly, number five, the wise will be welcomed and with him forever. I think there's two aspects of this door being closed and locked. Yes, the foolish cannot get in, but the wise are safe. And with him rejoicing, celebrating. There's a day coming when he will come and send his angels to gather the elect and they will all be with him. And there will be great celebration, a marriage supper of the Lamb. Just imagine that. John gives us a, a picture in Revelation 19 beginning with verse 6. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out. Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Are we ready? Are we watching? Are we waiting, anticipating the one who is coming? The ten virgins had responsibilities. We don't want to misunderstand that. Their invitation, it was their invitation that allowed them to come. But they had things, responsibilities entrusted to them. Some of them were wise and willing and some were not. But oh, the joy of those who were ready, who readied themselves the joy that awaits those who are watching and who are ready for the bridegroom to return. We celebrated the birth of Jesus yesterday. Jesus came to the earth meek and mild, humble, humble. He lived a life that we could not live, set apart, holy, blameless, 
And then he was murdered. But that murder was a part of his plan. He gave his life, laid it down for the redemption of all who would trust in him. And he invites us to come. The invitation is there to come. John chapter 6, verses 35 through 40, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he's given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. We're going to go into a time where we take the Lord's Supper. Jesus is the bread of of life. That's what he said. And even as we take the cracker and we drink the cup, it's a remembrance of who it is we celebrate. The bread of life, the nourishment for our souls, the preparation that we need for his coming. If we are to be wise, we are to partake of him, to feast on him. Each and every time that we take the bread, we remember His body, the bread of life, was broken for the forgiveness of our sins. Every time we take the cup, we remember His blood was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. And as often as we do it, we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your goodness and Your grace, and we long to be people who are watchful and ready, waiting for the coming of our King. We cannot fathom it, Lord. We can't imagine it. But in the waiting, Lord, we don't want to be disinterested. We don't want to forget what we have read and what you have shown us. We don't want to forget who you are. So help us, we pray. And even as we come and we receive the bread and we receive the cup, and we wait to take it together, Lord. We want it to be a proclamation of the gospel, the good news that someone died in our place, that something happened so that the invitation to come to you is fulfilled and worked out in Jesus' body in His death, and in His resurrection. We pray that You'd help us to believe and to rejoice and to glorify You in it. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.